Hello, welcome to Full Circle with Garland. I'm a leader in the DEI space and have spent 20 years of my career in human resources. I've been having meaningful conversations about career development with my friends and colleagues, many of whom are rarely heard on stages and podcasts. I am excited to bring you their stories each week. I will be sharing how their diverse backgrounds have shaped their work, the lessons in their career highs and lows, and the importance of recognizing the full circle moments in life. Thank you for joining me, and I hope you enjoy this week's interview. Hello, and welcome to Full Circle with Garland. Uh, today's guest is Randall Dawson. Uh, he and I met, gosh, feels like about almost two years ago. Um, full disclosure, we both work at CBRE. Every two years, CBRE has a African-American network group conference, and I had an opportunity to meet him maybe two years ago at the last conference, and we hit it off, and I thought, you've got a really cool background, and I hadn't met anybody like you before, so um, in, in, in unicorn status, I was like, well, he's got to be on the podcast. Um, so, you know, telling a little bit about Randall first, you know, he's... Yeah. Basically has a long career in real estate valuations, tax appeals, counseling, uh, over 25 years of experience. He's worked with a variety of, you know, property types in addition to um, has, I'd say, quite a few states under his belt in terms of his valuations, um, licensing, and just has a lot of amazing clients that I think, you know, would would miss would miss him if he ever went anywhere. So um, happy to have you on the show today, Randall. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Gosh, that was a, that was a great intro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're a great guy, so we got to give you a great <laughs> intro. Um, I'm happy to have you on today because um, I know a little bit more about you, and I think what's interesting is you've got a few kind of tenets and things that keep you kind of motivated or, or mottos, things that you live by. Um, I think yes. the one that has stuck out for me is um, if I can read it, I can do it. Uh, right. I'm yeah. an avid reader, grew up reading, like from reading Rainbow to now audiobooks. Um, right. And so that rings true for me. I would love <laughs> to hear you tell me how you have leveraged that motto in your life. So I, I've leveraged it. Throughout my life. So initially, when I was in high, junior high, I was running track. And uh, so I wasn't the fastest in the sprints. So I said, well, let me switch to hurdles. But our coach really wasn't that strong on coaching hurdlers. So I went to buy a book on hurdling. And, and that's how I learned to sort of hurdle. And uh, I also use it in wrestling. And I guess the, the key thing for me was that uh, I may not be the best athlete, okay, but I'll be as technically good as I can, and hopefully that sort of pushes me to the to the upper echelons. And then I also, even with appraisal, okay, so when I initially got into appraisal, I didn't know anything about it, so I would buy these little books uh, called Best, Beck's Valuation Guides. And so it was, think of it as a cliff note for a book, but this was on valuation. So it was gas stations, parking lots, office buildings, country clubs. So whenever 
uh, an assignment would come in and the client said, well, can you do this? I said, yeah, I send 25 bucks to Bex, say send it overnight. And then, then away I went. So that's really how it, how it started. So I ended up with about 125 of those guides. So, wow. so that represents a different asset class or property type. And that's sort of how I initially got going in appraisal. And so I really started as a sort of an independent contractor. And so I sort of had my own business to begin with. The way that happened was that I would apply to a lot of different jobs and I always got rejected. So I said, well, let me. And there was one firm that decided, said, that, look, we will hire you, but we won't send you any work. But any work that you can bring in, we'll co-sign with you. So I said, OK. So um, so I went down to the to the HUD office and talked to the guy in charge of appraisals and sending them ordering appraisals. I said, hey, I'm trying to break into the appraisal business. I'm working with this firm. They said they weren't going to send me any work, but if I brought in work, they would share the fee with me. Well, he thought that was just like crazy, okay, because no one does that, and that's not how the business model set up. And he said, look, so he was sending me probably two or three assignments a week and, uh, you know, different t- asset classes, whether they be apartments or retail or grocery stores with apartments above. So he was sending me all of those type of assignments. I was buying a Bex cost uh, valuation guide and reading that and then doing the assignment. And the firm I was associated with, they would review my report and sign off. So that's that's how that started. Yeah. So I know with with you, you had real estate in your kind of stratosphere growing up. You had a parent who was involved in real estate. Can you talk about that and maybe how that may have influenced you into getting into appraisal? Sure. sure. So so my father was a real estate broker and then he did, uh, but he also did appraisals. So he's, he's mainly single family homes. Okay. And then my mom worked for HUD. Okay. Housing urban development. So she worked for them for, I don't know, 40 years. So one of my early memories as a child was I must've been maybe 12 or 13. And so my father would, he owned a lot of single family homes. So what he would do is like, so on Saturdays, he would give me the, the rent receipt book and I would go door to door, knocking on the door saying, I'm here to collect the weekly rent, whether it was $50 or $75 or whatever. It was. So that was, that was my Saturday morning and early afternoon. So when I was a kid showing up, so, so the people had seen me around, okay, because I was always, myself and my brothers were always tagging along, okay? So the first time through, was just myself, but so my dad went with me, right? So and just said, you know, he would be sort of stopping by to collect the the rent payments on Saturdays. Okay, so that was sort of the introduction. So everyone sort of knew. So 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 he sort of talked me into position and then and then you know I had to run with it from there. So yeah, so that that was <laughs> That's just what it was. So so even today, but 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 it was actually good training. Okay. Yeah. For later on, because you know, when you go so any now I can just go to any room anywhere and just walk up and just talk to people. Right. So uh but I learned it then 
and uh, I got to practice it because tennis would roll over, you know, periodically, you know, maybe once a year or so. Uh, some would say a very long time, but uh, but that was just that, that was sort of my experience, you know. When you decided to start doing appraisals, you know, started with HUD um, mm-hmm. and then kind of started branching out, got these, you know, cool kind of uh, cliff notes to give you the quick, you know, one ones of everything. Right. When did you start to realize, you know, I've got the knowledge. I, I, I can just kind of get out here and try some new things. It's one thing when you're learning and you're kind of going up the learning curve. It's another right. thing when you kind of reach a certain point where you're like, I got this. Yeah. Um, it probably early, but it, the thing is, is that it's, that it's never linear. Okay. Because when you get a cliff note, okay, it's everything's sort of laid out. It's, it's clear, it's clean. But then once you get into the experience and so like you can appraise two apartment complexes, but there's something different about each one. Okay. So, so that's kind of the learning experience. And then that's where it was, it was important that, you know, I sort of interacted with, with a lot of different appraisers over, over the years. So I would call any of them up and say, Hey, I was in this property and I saw this, you know, how do I handle that? And then, you know, people were just really free about saying, well, if it was me, I would handle it like this. And uh, so you sort of get the sort of the book knowledge and then the experience of someone that's sort of been there, done it before. And there's really sort of nothing really new. And uh, I'm also a member of the Appraisal Institute. And just as a sidebar, the, you know, I would also contact the Appraisal Institute for, for articles on how to value different assets. And what was always amazing to me was that, you know, a lot of these articles were written, you know, back in the 60s and the 70s. And it was like, so So my takeaway from that is that the, the method of doing something hasn't really changed. So, uh, so it was also comforting and also frightening that, you know, gee whiz, it's been 20 years. You would think, you know... Something happens new. So, something happened new. So, um, yeah, you talked about you talked about people helping you along the way in terms of mm-hmm. maybe you know you being able to ask certain persons questions. Would you call these folks like mentors or just kind of informal people that you reach out to? Do you have any mentors or folks who have really kind of helped to give you some direction or some? Uh, I- yeah. So, so I saw, I've had, I've had mentors and, uh, I've had, I've, I think I've had a, a more than my fair share, uh, because, you know, once you get to a certain level, okay, then you sort of need a sort of a new mentor to expand beyond, okay, where you were. And then you sort of connect with some other people. So appraisal is sort of a community and, and people will call me and I, and I will call people and we'll just sort of discuss things and uh, on how to approach different things. But, um, but I, I think it's because initially, like example, I was just doing apartment complexes and then from there it shifted into industrial properties and then 
it shifted into subdivisions. And but then part of that also was uh, taking a, a, a lot of classes uh, from the Appraisal Institute, for example, and then also buying books from the Appraisal Institute, buying books from you know, Urban Land Institute, ULI, and just sort of really being a student of the game. And because uh, again, it was sort of my takeaway was that nothing's really new. Okay. So there's probably someone that's written an article or written a book about how to do something. And there may have been a couple of people that sort of take, took a different tack on it. And then you can sort of take information from both and then sort of, you know, make it your own. So, but I, I think it was important that to, to be sort of a student of, of the game. If you had to look at those areas where things start to, you know, you have all of this knowledge, you're getting more familiar, but even though there are things that are the same, there are some variation, missteps, obstacles, mm-hmm. things that are like, you know, coming up for you, you know, how do you overcome, you know, making mistakes, having things not work out? Can you talk about either specific yeah. times when that has happened or just how you have honed your own philosophy on, on how to deal with those things. Okay. Well, first, admit your mistake, embrace it. Okay. Go to your client and say, I, I made a mistake. Or better yet is when you're going through the, the appraisal process, okay, before you get to third base and you're on second, you say, you know, I think there's a problem here. You know, am I missing something? Okay, and then you and the client, you know, talk about it, and then you come to something that's that's reasonable, that's within the the guidelines of, of appraisal practice. Okay, because there's a uh, uniform standards of professional appraisal practice, USPAP. You have to sort of follow that as, as sort of a guideline, uh, sort of the rules of the road, and um, and then sometimes you have to tell the client that what they're the way they're thinking about it is really incorrect. It, it doesn't follow uh, proper appraisal standards. And then you just have that conversation. But but to your point, uh, mistakes, yeah. And one of, one of the big mistakes that I made was that I was listening to a client and they were telling me what they wanted. And I said, you know, I sent them a letter of engagement which sort of spells out the scope of the assignment. And I went down the path of, to deliver that report to them. But the question that I should have asked is not just what do you want, but why do you want it? How are you going to use the, the appraisal report or the document? So when they got the appraisal report, it wasn't useful to them. Okay. And then they were upset. And then I was upset that they were upset, but it damaged a long-term relationship. And so from that point forward, you know, when they say, okay, this is what I want, I always ask, well, why do you want it? How are you going to use it? And then I may have a better idea uh, to get them what they want, what's useful to them, and at the same time, follow all the rules and regs of uh, the appraisal world. So it's more of a consultative process of what is it that you're going to use this for? How is this going to be applied? Why are you coming to me 
you know, so mm-hmm. that I can help you do this instead of, Hey, I need you to do this for me without right. kind of the context of, of what, what other areas this person may be interested in, this client might be interested in, in, right. in your services. Got it. If you could remove all barriers or constraints, anything that you've, you know, wanted to do something that you think this would be a really cool project building sky's the limit or have you had one of those already where you were like this is awesome um fulfilling (laughs) some kind of you know childhood dream or just your own excitement about something can you tell me a little bit about that okay so that's 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 really uh, uh it goes back to when i started in appraisal i really thought that there was sort of a you know, brokerage and appraisal. And what I didn't really realize is that appraisal is this ocean. Uh, it's this, at this point, I think the number is like $217 trillion business. And I had no idea. Okay. And, uh, you know, what kind of projects would I do? I, I, I think that the whole real estate development side of the business is really interesting. And um, I wish I had known more about that uh, earlier, uh, but I didn't. So that's probably the one one thing that I would probably wish I knew more about earlier in my career. You know, just the whole development process. Yeah, Yeah, development is is kind of like the new sexy area of real estate because you get to kind of see something from an idea to the actual fulfillment of it. Um, it's a very long process. Um, lots of people involved, um, from the city to the lending, to the actual physical construction of whatever it is. Um, it's a lot of people involved. Um, but once it's done, you get this really awesome thing that wasn't there before, um, that you get to feel like you were a part of creating. So, I mean, that's one of the things I love about real estate is yeah. the opportunity to enhance communities and kind of put something out there that wasn't there before. Um, exactly. That's cool. You're a reader. You like to read. What are your favorite books now? What are the things that you read? And they don't all have to be, you know, specifically professional related. It can be something uh, okay. more fun. What are, okay. what are your, what are your nightstand or audiobook <laughs> favorites at this point? At, well, to, uh, today they are uh, okay. Ooh, how to lead? You know, how, how to lead? This is by David Rubenstein, and it's it's basically he interviews world leaders, CEOs, and you know it's just very interesting how different people think about uh, different things. So, um, so, so that's so I just started reading that this week. And uh, another book I'm reading is Fire and Wine. Ooh. And so, and, as you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm a big griller. And so this one is about pairing wine with grilled food, whether oh. it's meat or vegetables, whatever. Okay. So, so that's, so during COVID, okay, I've gone like really, really deep in that. And another one I'm reading is, is wine and food. And it's sort of, again, it's sort of pairing 
you know, the different types of wines with food. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm learning about that, learning about leadership, how, how different leaders think about what it is that they do and, and what has made them successful. I'm going to ask you about brisket. Yeah, Cause I know okay. this is one of your favorite topics. We're going off, we're going off road folks. We're, we're not, <laughs> we're not all about appraisals. We're also about brisket. So, right. Absolutely. Um, I know that's one of your, you know, you showed me your grilling setup. We, we might yeah. have to show that if people are super yeah. interested. Um, sure. And tell me about, well, one, how you got into it. Um, and then two, given you're reading all these cool books about pairing things, you know, what, yeah. what you're doing now with it. Okay. So, so, so how I got started in brisket. So initially I was just doing, so, so brisket, you sort of smoke the meat is, is what you're doing. Right. So, uh, so before I was doing burgers and hot dogs and, and ribs and, and that steaks and that type of stuff. And then uh, I started maybe a couple of years ago thinking about, well, really I wanted to start smoking. So then I went to Weber. Uh, Weber has a, a class. Okay. We're learning things today. Who knew? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, but, but they're awesome. They're absolutely awesome. So it's like, um, so, so, so they'll take you through, you know, how to prepare sort of a, a a backyard menu, you know, for your friends and family. Right. And uh, one of the classes I took was the Weber master, a pit master class. Okay. And they went into, brisket and i said that looks awesome and you got to sort of prepare it with them and eat it and it was like maybe i don't know 50 people a lot of husbands and wives couples fathers and sons and uh it was just a lot of fun and you know so i so i have a a weber smoky mountain grill and then i just started uh you know after i took the class i said okay i'm gonna i'm gonna order a brisket and cook it from scratch and, uh, and bought, bought a few books on smoking, uh, brisket and, uh, you know, tried different setups, different methods and, uh, settled in on a couple I like. And, and then I've sort of been doing it ever since. So So what uh, kind of wood chips do you use? Is there a specific rub that you're about? I mean, I know a little bit, I've okay. watched a few Netflix specials. I wouldn't say I'm I'm Pitmaster, but right. <laughs> okay. uh, I definitely know a little something. Are there? Are okay. they, what's your favorite? It sounds like it. So so <laughs> so, so, so the so, so the wood is uh, our charcoal is Jealous Devil. That's okay. that's the one that I use. Is I think it's it, it burns hot, it burns even, and it burns a long time. So it's Jealous Devil, and then I'll either use oak or uh, pecan wood chip or wood chunks. Okay. And, um, I start early in the morning because it's generally maybe a seven to, to 14 pound brisket. Okay. I'll put it on and, and, and brisket is sort of an all day thing, right? So you sort of put it on, mow the lawn, sit on the patio, read a book, you know, come and check it every now and then. Come and check it every every now and then, and and uh, but then I also have uh, these probes that I put into the brisket, and so it's so it's Bluetooth to my phone, 
so what? I can, yeah, <laughs> technology. This is, this is news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I can, so I can put the brisket on Bluetooth, check it on my phone. I go in the house, watch the game, uh, check the temperature on my phone. And then if it gets a little too low, starts to drop a little bit, I'll run out, throw on, throw on some, some charcoal and, and keep it going. But, uh, oh, this so is high tech. This is high tech yeah. pit mastering right here. I didn't even know that existed. That's really cool. Yeah, no, nor did I. When I started, <laughs> nor did I. So, so there's there's always something out there, right? So, uh, so yeah, so that's that's it. But but you know, because of my setup, I can sort of put the brisket on, and then because I'll probably put it on in the morning. You know, probably about six seven o'clock, and hopefully it's done by about five or so. But in the interim, you know, everyone has to eat. So then I'll do ribs or steak or, or something, tri-tip. Um, and, you know, that, that doesn't take very long. And then we can sort of munch on that for lunch or so. And then we'll say we'll have the brisket for dinner. Uh, but, Ooh. yeah. Got okay, it. So, yeah. So you heard it here first. <laughs> We've got a pit master in our, in our midst. Um, so let's talk about some of the other organizations that you're involved with. I know mm. you're on a few boards. Um, I yeah. know you have some other, other things you do outside of some of the cool things we've talked about so far. So yeah. tell me about okay. that. Okay. So I'm on the board of directors for junior achievement of Chicago, you know, junior achievement, you know, it basically sort of teaches entrepreneurship. So basically companies, We'll have their employees volunteer to go into schools and sort of teach classes. Well, with COVID, you know, it's all kind of virtual at this point. But the Junior Achievement of Chicago touches about 250 uh, Chicago public school students every year uh, with volunteers teaching classes. So Junior Achievement will provide the instructors, which are employees of different companies, sort of a, a book to sort of go over. It's teaching entrepreneurship, uh, soft skills, you know, business. And, you know, the students will sort of start a company and they'll sell some stuff. And, and so it's just really a, a great program. I'm also a member of NIOP and I'm on the scholarship committee for Chicago for NIOP. And, you know, what the scholarship does is give scholarships to students and exposing them to the real estate business. and you know, whether it's primarily office or industrial, but just exposing them. And these are college students, uh, exposing them to, to NIOP and just the connections of all the people that they would meet, that, that they wouldn't normally meet. So what's I think is impactful about that, about NIOP and, and the scholarship is that it's introducing people to the real estate business because real estate overall Unless you're somehow your family is in it, it's sort of a stealth industry, which is why you see so many relatives in the business, because it's it's not a natural business, really, because it's not like, well, because most people, you know, they will see a fireman, they'll, they'll see a policeman, they'll see a school teacher, a lawyer or a doctor. Right. But commercial real estate is something that most people don't even really think about. And 
example, like if you work in an office building or you go to the mall. Well, those were built by developers. Or if you've gone to Walmart, Kmart, well, not Kmart now, but those were all developed by developers. And, you know, you just go there and think, well, I'm just going to, to my office or I'm just going to go shopping. So, but there's this litany of careers within real estate. So, and one of the things that I will tell students is that, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, you can probably do it in, in commercial real estate. So if you want to be a graphic artist, you can do that. If you want to write copyright, you can do that. There, so there's all these other fields related to commercial real estate, debt and equity, banking. So, so my thing is don't change you, just find the career within this, this ocean. That's perfect. So what are the next things you're setting your sights on? Are there any, you know, projects, uh, things, fun things you have going uh, on? Well, what I'm interested in right now at this stage is joining the board of a for-profit public or private company. So here. that's that's what I'm interested in. Okay. You heard it here first. He's he's available and interested in a board seat. Uh, come <laughs> and get Randall because he's got an immense amount of information and knowledge. And I think clearly, a, I think a, a spirit of service, a spirit of uh, giving back and paying it forward. And I think just in terms of some of the and we haven't even touched on like all of the things that he's done. Uh, he didn't mention that he ended up in cha- championships for that wrestling that he like learned on his own. So it's one thing to like read it and then kind of do it. It's another thing to like read it and then get to the championships. So (laughs) don't be demure. Now is not the time. (laughs) That's true though. That's true. Yeah. No, he's, he's a wealth of, I'd say not only information, but just uh, a great, great advice. Just great advice. You know, I'm excited. I'm so thankful for you to, say yes to me today. I know (laughs) this is all new and it's exciting. And so I appreciate your time today. I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your experience with listeners. Valuations, folks. And I tell this to everybody when I, when I go out, um, it's the kind of, you know, you talk about the kind of invisible, the ones you don't really know about. I'd say valuations is one of those areas because no one thinks about appraising big commercial buildings and it has to happen and it's entrepreneurial. And in a case of working for a big company, it can be an intrapreneurship where you can still be entrepreneurial with the support of a larger organization to kind of give you those tools that you don't have to be worried about managing on your own all the time. And it's an opportunity to, you know, grow your career in any direction you want to grow it. So think you're a great example of that and just thank you for being on today okay well thank you thanks for having me on so i've got two more things we've got a phrase that you have to finish inclusion in my industry looks like unfinished business okay that's good okay. Unfinished um, business. and what does life look like coming full circle to you oh life that's a great question uh, life coming full circle to me um, would be bringing other people into the the real estate world 
uh, as it was introduced to me early. I'd like to expose other people to this industry that would not normally be exposed to it. So okay. that's, that's, that is full circle to me. Perfect. Well, this is great. I will put in the show notes, all of Randall's details, where to find him. Um, you can of course always find him on LinkedIn, but we're going to give you kind of specific information and I'm excited. I'm excited for this, for this particular podcast because you're just really fun. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Pit mastering. I didn't know. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on your, on your initial shows. Thank you. Have a good one. All okay, right. Bye-bye. Too. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend. You can find me on Instagram at Full Circle with Garland. And if you'd like to be a guest, go to garlandfuller.com. Thank you for listening and sharing your time with me. I hope this next week helps you to recognize the full circles in your own life. Bye-bye.